Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with West Yorkshire Electrical. Uh, Michael loves our services, don't you? Correct. I love all electrical things, yep. especially ones they do, like solar panels, battery storage, um, school contracting. Is it, why do you like school contracting? Is it? Is it? Well, I don't. I, I like that yeah. they do it because they're good at it. Yeah. They do sort all the electrics out there. <laughs> Fire alarm systems as well. Correct. Very, very important. Security yep. alarms. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your home and your business, all this stuff as well, with um, with finance available for both. Uh, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. You can search West, West Yorkshire Electrical on social media as well to get up to speed with that. Phil's here as well. Hello, Phil. You're Oh, right? yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, been a busy old week, hasn't it? Fairly. Yeah. Uh, we are, are you enjoying the transfer window? Um, it's been quite quiet so far, hasn't it? A couple of outgoings. That's kind of... Is that kind it? Of been it? Just, and that will... Yeah, that's that's us done. Yeah, see you on, on February the 1st. Yeah. Uh, no, I, su- I suspect not. Um, but yeah, it's been... It's been kind of, uh, I wouldn't say uneventful in the sense that we have had a few, uh, you know, a couple of players going and, and quite notable players, but, you know, with Ailing not unexpected. It's from an incoming point of view, it's just yet to get going, isn't it? Yeah, we've done a special on um, on Luke Ailing where we've talked about this from like a fan's perspective. So we probably don't need to retread that. But Phil, it'd be interesting to get your take on it from a journalistic point of view. Like you say, for, in, in a football sense, because you've seen a big outpouring of emotion. The club have really gone to town on the stuff that they've, that they've put out about Luke Ailing, and rightly so because he's earned all the all the plaudits that he's getting on his way out to, to Middlesbrough. The reaction's not surprising, is it, I suppose? But uh, it's still quite powerful. It is. I, I was asked to write about him for today and, and obviously wanted to write about him for today. And, and I was saying in the, the read that we've done that I think you do have to with Ailing, despite everything round about him, and I think in, he, he was a really good role model at Leeds and, and is a good role model, I think, for footballers generally, going right back to the start of his career and his decision to go from Arsenal, which is kind of the, you know, the centre of the universe or thereabouts in, in English football to Yeovil, which absolutely isn't. And understanding that it was the best thing for him to do and the best way to get his career going. I remember Dominic Matteo saying to me once, whenever he speaks to young players, he says, don't try to be like Lionel Messi, try to be like James Milner. And I think you could almost apply the same sort of thing to, to Ailing to, to a certain extent. Kind of infinitely worse players to base yourself on. And when it comes to attitude and, and application, but the fact is that as a footballer for Leeds, he was exceptionally good. And what I find funny with him is the way in which he and others, you know, were, were kind of tailor-made for Bielsa, even though it wasn't Bielsa who signed them. You know, Ailing was at Leeds two years before Bielsa came to Elland Road. But if Ailing hadn't been there, you get the sense that Bielsa would have either externally or by creating one himself, 
tried to find the right back who was basically Luke Ayling because it worked perfectly for him. And I've written before about the, the Huddersfield goal, which was, you know, the moment that, that jumps out. But I think the thing that defines Ayling best is the, the Hernandez goal at Swansea, which again, I was touching on in this piece. And the sort of 90 yard run from one byline to the other, which was, you know, that was Leeds, that was Bielsa, that was Ayling, you know, and, and it was, that was kind of his moment. It was Hernandez's finish and, you know, it's Hernandez who's remembered for that, but the kind of, the, the power of the move was from, from Ayling's running and, and him doing what he did so often. And when he was first left out of the squad and when we first asked Farker about that and, and Farker said it was a really difficult decision and it's one of the most difficult things I've had to do. And I think Farker saying that made you realise straight away that this was coming to the end, you know, that there was a change in the guard, that Farker was going to start looking at other players and wasn't going to involve Ailing as much as Ailing would want to be involved. We spoke on the podcast after that. We said, you know, important to handle these things in the right way. But it might be that Farker's idea that Ailing is still a really sort of strong and positive presence in the background or, or a kind of, I guess, a bit of a shoulder to lean on for the rest of the season might be a bit fanciful because when it comes to Ailing, would want to play, you know, wouldn't just want to be kind of supporting cast member or a babysitter in the background who, who's there for his experience and his personality, but actually isn't getting on the pitch. I mean, despite the way football is, you tend to find with most players that they do really love playing football and they do want to play football. You get some players who see it very much as a job and I have no problem with that at all. If they, you know, they do it properly and they play well and they and they apply themselves, it's not a necessity and it's not a prerequisite that you have to actually love what you're doing. And this isn't a mere culpa of my job, by the way. But with Ailing, I think he absolutely wants to, to play. So I always wondered when January came round whether it was really going to be feasible to say to him, look, you're hardly going to get a game, but it'd be great to have you in the background. And clearly it isn't. Also, my understanding is that I think Aileen was quite hopeful that he might get a contract extension at some point this season, another 12 months on top of, of what he had already um, because his deal is up in the summer. That wasn't going to happen. Um, it'd been made clear to him that it wasn't going to happen. And again, I think when you get into that situation, you do find yourself thinking, well, in that case, I need to think about fresh pastures. So I do feel like this is the best decision. I think it's a good decision from a footballing point of view because I don't think Ailing is anymore at the top of his powers. Even though he's gone to another championship club, I think some of the games were, were tough for him this season. But also, I don't see any value in, in clinging on to somebody who wants to be out and wants to be getting a game. Do you think he'd be making this move if it was to, I don't know, say Swansea or Cardiff, like somewhere further afield? Because Middlesbrough obviously is fairly convenient for him in that he probably isn't going to have to move house. I know yeah, he, he lives in Nasborough, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, he put in his letter about how he's, you know, in the time he's been at the club, he's become a dad and his family is very important to him, all that sort of stuff. You do wonder if if maybe this is just, it's just slotted into place for him and he's thought, well, because I do want to play. I also don't want to move. It just sort of works for him, I suppose. In, in I was going to say, it, it, it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. In, t- in terms of where the... Um, the training ground is at Rockcliffe, isn't it? Which is just off the A1 at Darlington. So you're yeah. kind of only going half an hour up the motorway further than you would be to, to Thorpe Arch. You do find as well, and I've seen this before with other players, one who jumps to mind straight away is Andrew Hughes, that they move to Yorkshire, they get very settled in Yorkshire, particularly in that North Yorkshire area. And they do want to stick around there. You know, they're happy there and it's a, it's a good place to, to be based. I think there's another aspect to it as well, which is the ailing is out of contract in the summer. So when the summer comes round, he can look at his options fully and can can seriously consider what's on the table. Whereas this here and now, you're right, it doesn't require any relocation. It gives him a, a much better chance of, of playing before the season finishes. It's still in the championship, which is at the level he's at now. It's with a good side, you know, and um, um, decent club in Borough as well. 
so it, it kind of it kind of works. And I think the club understood that they were in, in saying to him, and I think Farkas tried to do this, but in saying to him, we value you around the dressing room. Players, particularly Ailing's age, don't really want to be told that. You know, we value around the dressing room, but you're not going to get a game. I was going to say the subtext is there, but not really that much on the pitch anymore. Yeah, and I think the subtext as well comes from you won't be getting a contract at the end of this. So when people say to you, we value you around here, it's almost like saying we value your personality, but as a footballer, you know, it's, it's not really for us anymore. So the timing, I think, is right. It does, I think, put the pressure on to bring fullbacks in um, because obviously Spence has gone already uh, but this is one of those situations where everybody has to kind of face facts and uh, I think it's the right thing to do Just on Spence going to Genoa there's an option there for about 10 million euro in that deal which is it feels like quite a it's certainly not the top of the mountain is it I guess is what I'm getting at it feels like he's he's gone past that with the move to Spurs and everybody's now trying to find a place for him in football and it's not quite clear where that is Again we've got a piece on him coming towards the end of the week and it is kind of focused on what next for him? Because there's no denying that he had a, a really strong season at Forest and it was so strong that he ended up in the Championship Team of the Year, made himself look like the best right back or the best right wing back um, in the division. And it's worth saying that, you know, Forest tended to play with a back five um, as opposed to the, the back four that, that Leeds had. So it was a it was a different role. But again, no question that he's a very talented footballer and has a lot of, of natural ability. But going through his career and the clubs that he's been at, you find... In terms of first team football, you find four where it hasn't really worked and where people don't retain particularly fond memories and you find one where they absolutely do. And there is graffiti down on the bridge, um, the Trent Bridge, which says, you know, we, we miss you, um, Jed Spence, because that's what Forrest thought of him. But it's not really like that at Middlesbrough and it's not like that at Leeds. Um, he hasn't really made a scratch at, at Tottenham and he was at Wren last season, but, you know, played a, only a, a small handful of games. So I guess the, the, the quote from Neil Warnock, which was this right back could be Premier League or could be non-league kind of still applies and in no way is Serie A non-league you know he's going to play against some of Europe's elite over there but I think you can still ask how and when is Spence going to settle and, and what is it going to look like for him when he did and I think Farker was pretty careful not to throw him under the bus completely but the, the biggest issue for Farker I think was were the performance levels you know just weren't quite right weren't exactly what he was looking for but there were issues with lateness and and um, and things like that and and it was one of those situations where in the end it made more sense for Leeds to send him back because it just wasn't working for them Tottenham kind of ruled straight away that he trained with the 21s and that he would go out again they didn't want to play him in the FA Cup for example because he would have played for two clubs in a season and you're not allowed to play for three and the idea was to, to move him on again but I don't think there was any suggestion that Postacoglu was going to have another look you know it was a case of finding a move for him and because because Tottenham have managed to do a deal for Dragistan, it means that um, Spence can go the other way. And I've seen the reports saying that Spurs will pick up 100% of his wage going to Genoa. And, and OK, it's a make-weight in that transfer, but I think that alone says quite a lot. In terms of right-backs then, where are we? Are we going to get somebody in? Because uh, we've talked in the last seven days about it seemingly being quiet. We started the show saying, uh, just today saying it doesn't seem like there's a right lot going on doesn't mean that there isn't stuff going on in the background just no. to reiterate that point because I, I say it's like a red rag to a bull when you say it seems quiet at the moment. Quite, uh, there, quiet there, in the sense of things crossing the line, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. there must be, surely, from a fan's perspective, we need to know that they're, they're on this. They, they are. They, my impression was that they always would be active on fullbacks um, in this month, irrespective of what happened with Spence and, and knowing that there was a chance that Ailing would go. And 
my understanding is that they still are. I mean, I mentioned Nico Williams on Monday um, at Forest as somebody that they really, really do like. But all the indications from Forrest are that Nuno, who's just come in for Steve Cooper, also really likes him and is not interested in letting him go. The, the links to Connor Roberts, who again is on the radar at Burnley. Um, I'm reading some bits this morning saying that Burnley uh, seem to be more and more open to letting him go, depending on what the offer is and depending on what the, the price is. So there are options out there. I was a little surprised after Spence returned to Tottenham to see Farker say that he was quite happy with his options at fullback. I don't think it's that Leeds are kind of desperately short in those positions, but they feel a little bit exposed. And I've said this a few times now, but I think particularly because Byron is starting to pick up the odd injury here and there now. And and if he's fit and he's he's available to play all the time, then you're well covered in that position and you don't have a problem. But if he isn't, then the, the question's still there to be there to be asked. And and the fact is they've lost two two right backs, one of whom I don't think was likely to play much anyway, but one of whom was supposed to be a key player this season. You just wonder does that pass the sniff test whether Farker's just saying that just to keep his existing squad happy and make them feel like they're they're in the frame. Because if if you turn around and you say, well no, actually we want to definitely add somebody at right back, I suppose it increases pressure on the market, doesn't it? And also it makes the the current incumbents in the form of Archie Gray and Jamie Shack think, well, I'm not getting a game. I think I think there are two sides to this. One is that Fark is predominantly happy with his squad. He is generally happy with the group that's there. But I do think that he'll be looking at it now and saying, yeah, we do have to have something else at right back. I think they could do with something else at left back as well. With Furpo, you're just never quite sure if that is gonna if that is gonna happen. And it hasn't really shown signs of it looking like it's it's gonna happen. And even aside from the way he plays and, and his style of game, you've got his fitness as well, which has been a problem pretty constantly since he since he signed. So the prudent thing would be to to cover those areas without a doubt. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Well, we can't bask in the glory of our trip to Wembley, our road to Wembley starting already. Why are you smirking home, at me? Home tie. You're smirking at home me, Home tie. And I wore a replay jumper this morning, which is <laughs> not to say that I would like a draw against Plymouth. I did message somebody as the draw was finishing and Leeds were still in the hat and the, the numbers of teams left was decreasing rapidly and said, anything, anything but Plymouth away. Yeah. Well, we got them at home, didn't yes. we? Which is a great relief because I, I messaged you as well saying, just think if that tie had been reversed. <laughs> and that's what you asked when you mentioned it, wasn't it? You said like, oh God. Well, aside, aside from anything else, Leeds have got a lot of travelling to do. You know, a lot yeah. of long away trips coming up over the next couple of months. So could definitely do without that. But it's not a bad tie, that at all. You know, it gives you a real good chance of getting through to the, yeah. the latter stages. Yes. Um, and is I that what we're calling it? The, I mean, it's, it's the Leeds United latter stages, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Clichés was doing a podcast this week and they were talking about what constitutes a, a cup run. And I think I think it's not necessarily how far you get, it's also who you play and who you beat because you can stagger through rounds three and four and get to the fifth round and then get beat as Leeds did, um, I think, by Fulham. In which case, you could call that a run in the sense that you've had more than one game but it doesn't feel like it particularly. It needs to be, I think, what they did um, under Warnock in the League Cup, you know, when they ended up playing Chelsea at Elland Road. That is a, Cup run properly. If we got so if we've got a Premier League side at home in the fifth round and beat them, yes, then, nice. then we're in cup run territory. Which would yeah. actually immediately cast my mind back to the cup run in nineteen eighty seven when they got QPR at mm-hmm. home at Ellen Road and the place was absolutely bouncing. They were in the top division at the time, we yeah. weren't. So yeah, yeah, immediately made me think of that. But I was just gonna say so we couldn't bask we can't bask in our cup glory forever. Uh, as nice as it was at Peterborough, we need to get back to the league, don't what we? What are they going to do, Phil? Because the FA Cup final and the playoff final are on consecutive days, aren't they? Yeah, Johnny like, Buckin at the BBC be a big problem. was tweeting about this and I thought he may have been slightly premature and worrying about it. <laughs> I can't remember where I, I saw... I'm surprised that Michael's worrying about well, that, have to I have do, to say. Do, I suppose with the bus tour, will just be on one. They'll probably just do one for that, won't they, for the, the dual for FA both Cup. Trophies. Well, the, the, both trophies. The answer to that is just get promoted automatically. Yeah, and then mm. you know you've got a couple of clear weeks. Yeah, well, that is a, a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about. But I was going to say somebody did check, and I can't remember who it was that checked because I've just I've just seen it knocking about on Twitter. So please forgive me for not crediting the right person. But they said in the event that a team did get to both, they would move the championship playoff final a week earlier. I think it is. Yes, it's, I think that I think that is uh, basically the plan. But, yeah, I we mean, might we might be might be getting ahead of ourselves here. But slightly. Uh, two trips to Wembley in two weeks. How much? <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? Accommodation prices and all that. No uh, price too high. Have you seen? Uh, I mean, joking aside, have you seen the price of hotels for that weekend? Yeah, hideous. Yeah, hideous. You'd sleep in your car, wouldn't you, Michael? I mean, I, w- I would anyway. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I, see, I see no reason. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll probably just be trained down hiding in the toilets as usual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that East Coast mainline, eh? Um, yeah, back to the league then, and it's uh, it's down to Cardiff, and it's quite a tricky tie. This one, I, I feel like this one is perhaps given the away form, and we've had the distraction of the cup. Eyes will focus back on the league. I feel like Leeds need to make a bit of a statement in this one because the away form is be- it's bordering on problematic now, isn't it? A bit of a litmus test. I think it is less Leicester away, Ipswich away, those type of games, and more Re- Stoke, is it, is Stoke it re- away. Reassert yourself. Stoke away, yeah. Sunderland away, that sort of game where you think you should be winning it and you think you should be going there and playing well. And if you don't do either of those, then questions will be asked as they have been have been recently. The the away form is is a problem because the tally of defeats is too high, uh, and and I think if you'd had six defeats across the season at this point, home and away, you would say, well, it's not you know it's not bad form, but there's there's quite a sort of glaring contrast between how it's going at Ellen Road and and how it's going away from home. I mean, I have to say they they've had some very good performances away from home. Ipswich was one I felt, um, Leicester in particular. 
they've had good results when they haven't necessarily played particularly well, thinking of, of Norwich. But they have also been in this pattern of not quite being able to get in front, conceding sometimes their fairly shabby goal and then not really knowing how to dig it out from there, which I think has been the, the problem recently and was the problem at Preston, although you know, Preston was Preston was a bit of an unfair example because of the red card for Millie, but they hadn't looked good um, before he was sent off. West Brom, I think, and, and I suspect that the reason there was so much frustration after West Brom was because it felt like you were going through the same routine that you'd seen previously and again, there wasn't really a, a way of a way of resolving it. I think I would say that Fark is aware of, of how people are feeling about that and what they're seeing. Just looking at the away form um, on FOTMOB and you can break the table down into obviously the normal full table, there's home and away. We're actually about on par in the table with where we should be with the um, the away form versus the overall table. We're currently fifth, but only by virtue of one goal difference with Millwall. The teams above us, Leicester, Ipswich and Southampton. So it's reflected in the normal, t- the away form is reflected in the normal table, basically, with a few little outliers. So we're about where we should be. Again, it's it's Leicester and Ipswich and to an extent Southampton skewing the division, isn't it? Um, skewing, yeah. The- skewing our opinion of it. And, and I guess is, in a way, Phil, is the home form skewing our vision of the what the away form should be as well? Perhaps it is. This is what I'm saying. You, you would expect it to be maybe four defeats away from home, two defeats at home, as opposed to unbeaten at Elland Road, but actually stacking up the, the sort of tally of defeats away that would drop you down into mid-table if that was consistent, um, you know, right the way across the, the season. There are definitely things for, for Farker to address with it. And I think the... The biggest one, from my point of view, has been the, the kind of reaction to the scenarios in which Leeds are trailing and, and need a goal, but it just hasn't seemed to function. And the, the 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 strategy that he goes for with three at the back and and pushing men on hasn't really really paid off. Um, I think he'll know that. I think he'll know that in order to to stay in touch with the top two, that is going to have to sort itself out. And I guess the games that are coming up: Cardiff, Bristol City, Swansea, Plymouth. Long, long trips, so not easy. But they do kind of fall into the category of games that you need to be winning if you're if you're going to be you know cracking on and, and actually making a dent on on what's above you. Safe to say that Leicester have gone. I think. I mean, they just they they just are going up. The big threat at the moment seems to be Southampton, really, doesn't it? When it comes to second place, that but you know, and I don't know whether people out there feel particularly optimistic about Leeds still having a chance of finishing second. I think if the if it carries on in this kind of pattern, I don't think they will. I don't think they'll be far off, but I think they'll they'll fall short. But Ipswich have had a bad spell, and I think that'll be the frustration for Farker is that a lot of points have, have been have been spilled by Ipswich, and the gap hasn't really come down. I'm optimistic about it. You're, I, you're always optimistic. I, well, what, you're always, what's the point? I mean, yeah. you, why bother watching football if you don't believe? If you can't. Ask the man, and, and I know we've got we've got the arch realists. <laughs> I did, I did, you know, cynical kind of guy here, but I, I do, I do genuinely believe that we should we should be striving for it. And even if it does prove too difficult, it's well within our grasp. I think we should definitely be striving for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah I'm not absolutely. that we're not. You know, I mean, you say what's the point of watching it? But I mean, I did go to Ellen Road throughout <laughs> the years of Grayson to Grayson leaving to. I guess Monk arriving. I was you, there. I was there throughout always, that. But you, I, you always go on the on the on the hope on the premise that there will be a better day further yeah, down the I line. Suppose don't you? So. I suppose. So. I, I suppose I'm remain f- fairly optimistic this season, just because I think on the day we can. Well, we've shown we can beat anyone. You know, I think we have the players to to win any game in this division. It's just we've what happens on the day. Yeah, and we've made it difficult for ourselves in certain games. But now we have Europe's best strike, probably the world's best striker in Pat Bamford, Puskas Award winner. 
now fit and firing. Yeah. And does he, do you think he stays in and we bring Ruter in for Piro? It's probably the key decision this weekend, isn't it? I would, because I, I would. Because yeah. this is the question I asked you. Did you do you think he was maybe looking at a new way to to break teams down, Farker, by playing Bamford leading the line with Ruter, just tucked in behind him? And there was a kind of a bit of reverse justification for not having dropped Ruter back to number 10 before. He said he's taking him time to to learn that position. So it seems like he's kind of paving the way for that being a way forward now. Saying, yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't try it before because he wasn't quite ready, but now he's ready. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if against Birmingham, because it's not as if Leeds have actually struggled at home at all, is it? They've, they've been very good at, at picking teams off. Um, and even if it's taking a bit of graft and a bit of effort of, of getting there in the end. But it, it would seem odd to me if having got Bamford into form and, and having got his confidence up for the first time in a long time. And, you know, I, I listened to the, the quotes from after Peterborough game where he was saying, you know, I'm always full of confidence and, and this, that and the other. But it, it doesn't always look like that, um, you know, from from where we're sitting. And I think I always have him down as a confidence player, somebody who when he's when he's feeling it and feeling good is going to give you give you far more. Whereas you do get some players who can just perform at a level irrespective of where they, they kind of are mentally particularly on the back of that goal at Peterborough, but I think on the back of what's been his best week in ages, Bamford, I mean, such a long time, it would make sense to me to keep him in the team. And I was writing about this earlier this week and saying, you know, he is quite streaky, Bamford. Without the streaks going on endlessly, you do find, and you have found more than once, that one goal leads to four or five or six. So this would be like a pretty, I would have thought, a pretty good time to invest in him and, and to say, and and because actually he played really well against Birmingham, I think that's the point. He did score, but I thought he had a really good game, and I thought he caused them enough trouble to make me think, you know, there was more to that than Birmingham just being hopeless, which they were. You know, he was he was good. So on the basis that I wouldn't say Pirro has exactly been tearing it up, and on the basis that on judging by Farker's own selection policy, he seems to see Bamford more as a nine than than Pirro. I would have thought that the Ruta Bamford combination is the one to go for. Yeah, you'd stick with it, wouldn't you? I think so. And yeah. pretty much as you were with the rest of it. The rest of it pretty much picks itself, do we think? Melier back in, Rodon in, Ampadu back to midfield. I guess that all reshuffles. Yeah, I, I, I did see some people saying Klassen's done well over the past couple of games. I don't think they've been good enough examples, those games, to make you think that changing back to Melier would be a mistake. I think they were almost the perfect games to cover for the fact that there was no Melly, there was no Darlow, that Klassen was was getting thrown in. And it wasn't that he did did badly at all. But I think if you're looking at those and saying that's evidence that Klassen should get a run now, I'm, I'm not sure I would I would go along with that particularly. And Melly's been his first choice. If Melly's back, then you, you assume that, that that happens. The one thing that I've wondered away from home is whether Archie Gray in the midfield just gives you a bit more attacking threat and a bit more attacking thrust and also gives you a bit more of you know, that killer pass, which he's very, very good at. You know, it's one of his, his big strengths. And it's, I guess, a less safe approach than, say, Ampadu and Kamara together. But it might be it might be advantageous to have somebody like that in your team, you know, who, who gives you a bit more. But then again, right back. somebody needs to play right back. Yeah. And there is Shackleton, you know, he is he is fit again. Feel, it, feels like, it feels to me at this stage like it's more likely to be Archie Gray. At right back? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Interesting... Weekend, actually, this one in the Championship. I'm just looking at the, the pertinent fixtures at the top end. Uh, so the three o'clock kickoffs, apart from Leeds going to Cardiff, you've got Coventry hosting Leicester. And I know we were saying like it feels like Leicester are, are pretty much gone. But because I've got the home and away form tables uh, open here in front of me, I was just looking at Coventry's home record and it's actually pretty strong. They've only lost once at home, drawn a lot of games, 
won five, drawn seven, lost one. They don't concede a lot of goals at home. So that'll be an interesting test for, for Leicester, I think, that one. But if you exclude that one from the whole discussion, you've got Southampton against Sheffield Wednesday, which you would expect them to win on the balance of probability, even though Sheffield Wednesday are a little bit more of a, a streak now. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the Cardiff were there in the FA Cup and got a good hiding, although it was a weird game. Two penalties saved, scored an own goal, loads of changes, um, got beat 4-0, so it was kind of, kind of odd all round. So there's no magic of the cup down there for them. But Southampton at home to Wednesday, I watched Southampton at home to Plymouth and I was pretty impressed actually with the way in which they got that one that one done. I can see this being exactly the same. So Southampton, if they do beat Sheffield Wednesday, will knock Ipswich temporarily out of the automatics if that happens because Ipswich kick off against Sunderland at 5.30. So that adds an interesting spin on that because they're not in great form at the minute. Last five, they haven't won a game, have they, Ipswich? They, um, which, they've which was, a lot of points, yeah. As you were saying, it's the frustrating mm. aspect from from Farker's point of view. So it's a real opportunity for Leeds to maybe get involved in a in a group that's going to could be I mean, a bit more compacted together maybe a little bit at the top, do you think? What you're saying is win games if others lose games and the table will change. Well said, Phil. Yes. Mm-hmm. You should do this for a living. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Science. Um, yeah, with, with, I, th- I think we're probably going to talk like this for weeks and weeks, aren't we? Because this is how it is. Yeah, I was going to say, do you, the, do you think the, we'll talk talk like this from now until about April when the, the, the proper shape of the table takes form? Probably, yeah, which I suppose explains why Park is trying hard not to talk about it until April because you could just get sucked into it every single press conference, can you, about closing the gap or the gap stretching or whatever else. And He's basically right in what he says that there comes a, a crunch point, doesn't there, where results actually, individual results start to, to define everything. But there's no denying that over a long season, you have to be in good form right the way through it and, and chasing gaps. I mean, you know, you're talking about Coventry, Leicester there. I just see no way in which anybody reels Leicester in now in the way that drags them down to third. Yeah, you, you, know, you feel like just, they might lose, might lose the odd game, but yeah. they're so far ahead that it's going to be was, hard I, to... I don't know if you saw it, but there was a very funny tweet on Twitter this week, or X from an Arsenal fan who was talking about the number of days or weeks that they'd spent yes, at the top yeah, of the yeah. table versus the number of uh, number of weeks that Manchester City had spent at the top of the table but had obviously won the title and was suggesting that that would be a better way of doing it of deciding the title yeah, it was, it was um, a sh- surely there's got to be a more, a more accurate like, used, used way the, of working use the out. great phrase the 38 game merchants i.e. those who believe in seasons <laughs> as opposed to just you know yeah, sure. arbitrary um, mathematical it, calculations it that put your club at the top of the league obviously that's that's from like the end of last season isn't it but what if you follow the, the chain of discussion down you see how they do that that internet thing of just doubling down rather yeah. than do you know what yeah actually you can't really argue against the league table as a metric was it Arsenal fans who ended up in the discussion as well as, as to whether someone was 28 or not oh he's 28 he's 29 he's nearer 29 than 28 it's like yeah but he's 28 until he's, until he's 29 yeah. he's 20 yeah I, I couldn't quite work out why that had resurfaced that um, stat but it was really funny and yeah. and you start out start out by thinking this has got to be a parody you know like at some point you're going to realise that this is just an absolute wind up and you're right you Do, know there's somebody but, in the replies I think it was a fellow Arsenal fan with a, mo- a brilliant moment of clarity who just says in there you do realise that fans of other clubs can see this, mate, don't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. Delete. Gonna, yeah, they're going to be absolutely all over this. Yeah. Can't we claim our title for, was it 2000 or 2001, when we were, like, across the calendar year, we had the most points? Yeah. that's. I mean, that's a Champions win. Champions for the year. That's a, that's a win for definite. Um, in terms of going to Cardiff, then, uh, they are currently ninth, but again, you put it into that uh, bracket of teams. I thought you were going to ask me for a motorway route there. Um, M1, M42, yeah. They, uh, they concede a lot of goals. They score a fair amount. They've got a fairly neutral goal difference. It's plus one. 
they've won 11, they've lost 11. They seem to win or lose to Cardiff. It, it's a game that Leeds should be winning. Even on the basis of the first game of the season where Leeds really didn't have it all together at all, I thought we looked better than them. Yeah, but, I agree. But, but does that I translate agree. Basically into... conceded on the, yeah. the, the, the two occasions, give or take. The, does the does it translate into a, a winning performance today? And I'm just looking again, going back to the, the home form. They're not that good at home in terms of the form table. You can really tell Dan's just discovered the home and away league oh, table. He keeps talking about it's, it. It's a revelation. You, you press a button you press, you press a button, and it reorganises them all. It's amazing. Do you want to try it? Um, they, they, they are 12th in the home form table. They, the um, they look to me like... Do you remember the position that Leeds always used to be in, or perennially used to be in, for ages and ages and ages, where it could be the playoffs because you're kind of close enough, but you know deep down it's not going to be the playoffs. And gonna use, I'm going to use this table every week. Because the they're... Um, excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, they're not that far off sixth at all, but they've got that vibe that they're going to be not far off sixth for a long time, but they're never going to be sixth. And I mean, I have to say, when I saw them on the first day of the season, I was not impressed and I thought they might, I know they, they very nearly won that game, but I wondered if they might have a bit of bit of trouble this season, which clearly they're, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're going to stay up. They haven't had much use of Aaron Ramsey because he's been injured. Um, that comes as a surprise. Yeah, yeah, it does really. Um, so the sort of glorious homecoming hasn't quite quite worked out. They don't like Leeds, would be my observation over many years. Um, who does, I suppose? But it, at Cardiff, at you know, the Cardiff City Stadium or whatever it is now, it's not like it was at Ninian Park. I only had one experience of Ninian Park, which was enough. Um, but that was the one where you were a coward and hid, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and left Yorkshire Radio to deal with the <laughs> deal with the incoming fire. That was their fault. Did you, did know, you find I, that your Scottish accent became more pronounced when you were? No, there, you right? see, I didn't actually. Have, I, I was um, further up the road. I didn't actually have to get involved in that at all or, or lie <laughs> about where uh, where I was coming from. But it was uh, it was somewhat wild. I remember at the Cardiff City Stadium seeing Domino's pizzas getting delivered to somebody um, in front of the press box at halftime and thinking this is a bit different, ever so slightly. So it's not quite the same. Can atmosphere down there. I wouldn't say that Leeds' record in Cardiff is amazing, but then again, different squads, different teams, um, different coaches. You're right. As I say, it, it falls into, along with Swansea and Bristol City and, and Plymouth. You've got to be taking a decent number of points from these games. Do we play our special teams? Do we unleash Sonny Perkins freshly back from his successful loan stint in Oxford? I would say no. No? You're not fancying that? I just don't think it'll happen. No? No. He's um, just on that very briefly. He's made an interesting position for himself hasn't he been sent back from Oxford he can't go back out on loan anywhere else because he's played for us as well this season so as you say you can't play for three clubs in one year which was the Spence dilemma yeah. well, well I say dilemma you know Spurs didn't want to create a situation where he can go either yeah so it's it's Leeds or, or Oxford so it's Leeds isn't it and it's the 21s yeah yeah a long way from the picture at the moment definitely and actually I mean Leeds there was it was quite a hassle getting hold of him from West Ham um, West Ham were really unhappy about the way he was he was taken from them in their view um, and the, the way in which it was done. But I don't know, as you, as you cut through the, you, the the signings that have been made at academy level, specifically with decent amounts of money spent on them, or you know, where, where Leeds have gone out to recruit in the kind of 18, 19-year-old category as opposed to the 9, 10-year-old category, there, there aren't that many of them that look like working. No, no. Anyway, let's not finish on a negative. We're going to win at Cardiff or what? You tell me. Well, you know what I'm going to say. You're going to say yes. Yeah. There's a chance, Michael, isn't there? There's, there's, a, chance. Chance. there's a chance. I'm just reminded of the, um, I think it must be the last time we played there. It was after COVID, wasn't it? It was the first game back. That's right. All That's full right. of optimism. Yeah. We went there, we lost 2-0. It was like, oh, 
This yeah. feels, that, was a this weird, feels, that was a weird day. This yeah, feels that thoroughly was, lazy all of a sudden. Especially with that, it was such a long run up as well with mm. the with the COVID break, wasn't it? It's such a long run. Paul Shaw had said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna piss the league or whatever." Yeah. It's not quite and in they, those words. And they did, yeah. and we did in the yeah. end. But yeah. yeah, we came back and watched that game, it's and like, everyone oh. was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, I forget, I forget what again. his exact words were, but um, it was more kind of considered than Janssen, who just used to walk into press conferences and say, "There's no way we're not getting in the playoffs." followed by 3-0 draw with Norwich and season over, you know. Um, it was great to quote was Janssen. I mean, he's a good player as well, but, you know, he, I can't he believe you, Phil Hay, are accusing other people of making bold claims about getting the playoffs. Absolutely. That must be where it came from, you see. Although I think I'd probably already blown it before then anyway, so it's my fault generally, but um, we'll apportion a bit of blame to, to Janssen. Yeah, I, I think if Leeds win this down at Cardiff, it'll be very similar to the Blackburn game in that it will require a lot of effort, a lot of graft. Um, it might not be particularly pretty, spectacular, might need a couple of good goals, but they've got they've got it in them to win this, yeah. Yeah, and it would put us um, within four points of Ipswich, ahead of Ipswich kicking off. What will so, we do to the away table? I don't want to get into that. <laughs> don't against that. You can look at it yourself afterwards. <laughs> Remind everybody of the website. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> right, we will uh, we'll wrap it up there then. We'll get back together after the weekend then and we'll have a chat about how it went at Cardiff and how much you enjoyed your journey back, Phil. So enjoy the journey down and back. Fantastic, it will do. A good, yeah. Is it a good 10-hour round trip? It will be something like that. Got a few podcasts lined up, including yours, obviously. Good stuff. Yeah, I presume you listen to this one over and over again. Yeah, very much so, how yeah. You, how yeah. you could improve your performance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in many ways. <laughs> Jesse Marshall have done about another four or five by yeah, well, the time the weekend yeah. comes around. And what, well. he, what he would say is as well, if, if I'd have been on that podcast, if only I'd have said something different, it would have sounded better. That's right. That's yeah. right. A little bit like if it was only based on the away table rather yeah. than the home table, it'd be like this. Fotmob.com it was. That I, I found that, by <laughs> the way. Excellent. Anybody who's interested, uh, see you on Monday. The Square Ball Podcast. 